Welcome to the Morning Ritual Podcast, meditations and conversations to set the tone for your day. I'm your host, Lily Balch, and today we have actor and meditation teacher, Jeff Kober on the podcast. Before we get into my conversation with Jeff, I have one teeny tiny announcement. If you are enjoying the Morning Ritual, go ahead and hit the subscribe button. And if you'd like to connect, if you have any requests, any meditations you want to do, definitely connect with me on Instagram at Lily Balch. I know I've said at the morning ritual in the past, but I have streamlined things, keeping life simple. And I'm only using my personal account. It's my first and last name at Lily Balch. Now to my conversation with Jeff. Jeff, welcome. I'm so happy to have you on and to get to know each other today. So thank you. Thank you. Nice to be here. So Jeff, I'm going to put you on the spot right away. Mm. Okay. (laughs) I love to start my (laughs) interview style episodes off with an intention. Having you Ah. Yeah, having you share with us an intention to set the tone for our conversation, but also to set the tone for the rest of the day. I have a lot to say about intention, but just to get to cut to the chase, the intention for me would be to uplift ourselves and others and to uh, discover uh, what is new and evolutionary about who we are today as opposed to who we were yesterday Hmm. discovery so right off the bat you said i have a lot to say about intention where did your mind go i i deal with intention a lot as an actor and so i i see that we all actually we all have intentions all the time so when we make them conscious we begin to notice that we have an intention. And the intention that I have, if I don't consciously shift it, I believe is always coming from my animal human nature. And the animal nature of me always is looking for survival first. And that can mean so many things in the modern world. It can mean your approval. It can mean enough money none of which are actually to do with survival, but they feel the the system experiences them as if they have to do with survival. So survival of self first, survival of species second, I need to find my tribe. I need to find who's not my tribe because they might be dangerous. I need to procreate. And so I'm always looking for that on that level um, or looking for threats to my own procreation and comfort third. And that's the triangle that I've discerned, uh, whether it's scientifically valid or not, I'm not sure, but that makes sense to me. And to set a spiritual intention always is uh, will be more powerful. That, that intention will always be more powerful than the one uh, that I'm experiencing through my nervous system. And spiritual intentions always have to do with offering, with loving, with becoming aligned with what spirit is actually doing all the time, which is uplifting itself, loving itself, flowing outward to itself. So any intention is uh, 
to be of service and to, you know, to speak the truth and to uplift. Awesome. Thank you, Jeff. And in there, you mentioned your background as an actor, and I just wanted to fill our listeners in for those of for those of you that don't know. Jeff has had a pretty amazing and long career in Hollywood so far, and he's been in a variety of films and hit TV shows, including The Walking Dead, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which is one of my favorites, Star Trek, which is one of my mother's favorites, X-Files, which I got a nickname for. So anyways, I am clearly a fan, and the list goes on and on. But I have a question for you around the interconnectedness, which you've already touched on with intention, but the interconnectedness of your acting career and of your career as a meditation teacher and which passion came first or did they come in tandem? I stumbled into acting (laughs) accidentally, uh, as most things in my life have happened uh, in that fashion. Uh, acting kind of saved my life. I was uh, lost for a long time, um, shut down emotionally for reasons that we might get into. Um, But that would be too great a sidebar to drop in here. And I went to an acting class because I needed to make sense of my life. And I remembered being in class made sense. And someone said, oh, I think you'd like this class. So I went. And I saw people having emotions and being uh, appreciated for that. So like when I was much bigger in high school, football made sense. Uh, Like this, uh, acting made sense for the way it felt inside me. And it was my beginnings of coming back alive and unfreezing. Um, And... Then further down the road, I learned meditation reluctantly. I was looking for a meditation, but I and I was meditating, but I finally found one that worked for me. Um, and I began to just hang out with a meditation teacher and assist him. And then he uh, said, "Well, I'm going to make teachers, and you need to be one." I said, "No, no, man, I'm an actor." And uh, he said, well, you're already a teacher, whether you want to be or not. The only question is, will you be an informed teacher? And I said, I actually said, look, man, you're the guru. Get me a series. Um, and that didn't happen. But I I went ahead and did this uh, teacher training. And this was because you know, I, I about three weeks before, it's a three-month course where you're in residence and meditating from 10 to 14 hours a day. And uh, about halfway through, I said, so when do I start planning what I'm going to do when I get out of here? And he said, don't just let it happen. I said, yeah, that's, that's, that's fine. But when do I start planning what I'm going to do when I get out of here? He said, really, just let it play itself out. And about three weeks prior to uh, finishing the course, uh, my sister and I had a conversation on the phone. She lived in Montana and she was sobbing on the phone. I said, Oh, you need to learn how to meditate. I'm coming up, you know, find a yoga studio. And 
I called another friend in another part of Montana. I set up two intro talks in Western Montana, then Eastern Montana. And we drove up, my wife and I drove up. I taught my first seven people. And that day that I started that course, my manager called and said, you've been offered a, a Western. It starts shooting on this particular day, which was the day after I would finish teaching the other course. So it was my my worry was that the two uh, things would interfere with each other. But in fact, they haven't. And that was in 2007. So still seems to be working itself out. As, as a performer, I'm sure you know that you've got to have something else you're doing because you can't depend on being hired to be busy. You can't depend on getting hired to be creative or to be expressive. So they keep each other company. Yeah. Yeah. And I am... Um... As some of the listeners may know, I had a career as a dancer, and I remember when I did my initial yoga teacher training and then went on to study more meditation, the way I looked at my art completely transformed, the way I connected to my mind, my body, and the process of creating really shifted. Did you notice that anything changed in your acting and the way you related to acting when you delve deeper into meditation? Absolutely. Uh, you know, th there's, I I've always considered acting to be the most profoundly spiritual uh, practice one could be engaged in uh, for a few reasons. First of all, because you know, people don't become actors because they had a good home life uh, or because they're emotionally sound. And so you come into acting with a, a, a lived desire to work your stuff out. That's And you come into acting because you want, on some level, to be recognized. And it, it, it's, it's, it, it would be... Uh, try to say because I want applause. I, I just want to be seen. You know, that's that's what's living in here. And then that speaks of the ego nature. And when you start getting seen and you take it personally and you take it as a a, a reflection on who and what you actually are, then you no longer have access to the the deep juice that you need to express fully. And so you've got to constantly be dealing with ego and letting it go and finding that place that is beyond ego, beneath ego, uh, transcendent of ego, that place of creativity that's uh, connected to source rather than connected to, hey, look at me. And, you know, and that clearly changes over the years and becomes ever more subtle, but it's always a uh, it's a part of uh, all creative uh, endeavors, I believe, and and I believe it's a part of all lives. You know, it's it's always the question. Yeah, yeah. So when talking about the ego, right, for our listeners, how, in your experience, has meditation been a process of shedding ego? 
you don't shed ego, in my experience. Uh, you shed your identification as ego. There's a voice that ego has that's solely concerned with uh, ego's uh, survival. And then it performs this great magic trick to uh, convince me that I am it. So that its survival is my survival and I must do what it says. And of course, it's not true. I mean, how many, if, if anyone has, let's say, let's just, let's go with something that's uh, uh, socially uh, acceptable, sugar addiction. The same voice that says, come on, you can have an Oreo. Yeah, just one cookie. But you're, you're an adult. You haven't had any sugar in six months. Have a cookie. And as soon as you eat the cookie, it's the same voice that says, you disgusting human. What's the matter with you? You're never going to amount to anything. It's the same voice. Now, if I had a friend who treated me that way, they're not my friend. So I wouldn't listen to them to guide my life. So having a meditation practice that allows a separation from that voice then allows me to have a point of view on that voice. And if I can see it, it's not me. You know, the I never sees itself. Uh, I capital I or I, E-Y-E, it never sees itself. It sees from itself. And to move from identification as the ego, which is all about seeing everything through the lens of self, what does it mean for me, about me, to me, moving from self-centeredness to centered in the self, it's, uh, it, it's really the... I think the reason we're in a body is to continually choose the one over the other and to recognize that we continually will fall back into the other. So meditation is absolutely essential to finding an experience of what I am that is other than the voice in my head, other than the demands of the survival mechanism. Mm, similar to that intention we said at the beginning, and I like that being centered in self versus self-centeredness. I'm currently creating something kind of scary. It's big. It's exciting. We'll be announcing it soon. But when my ego is the creator it, or driving the, the car in this process and thinking about, oh, how many people are going to like this? How many people are going to use this? What, you know, very self-centered me, me, me. What are people going to think about me? My energy is so low. My desire to work on this project is really not there. And when I catch that voice and I flip the script and I say, no, think of how I'm serving. Think of the, the, the reason why I'm doing this big project is to help people. And connect to that creative source that it's not me creating. I'm connecting to something and being the sort of channel of that. I don't know if that makes sense, but when I'm operating from that, mm -hmm. abundance of energy. And that's kind of what I'm learning right now. So this is really appropriate. 
great. When I'm creating, or it's not even creating, when I'm operating from small self, I'm operating from an image in my mind. And when I'm operating from an image in my mind, I have come up with an idea of what is good, what is perfect, what will serve me the most. And then I am questioning everything that arises as to whether or not it matches that image in my mind. And when I am comparing, it would be like going out on a, a first date with somebody and someone says something and you go like, wow, isn't that interesting? You know, my, my ex would never say it like that. It's like one time you would be out the door. I, I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> but that's what we're doing to life. That's trying to flow to us, through us, from us. When we're operating from ego, we're comparing constantly to our best thinking of what should happen or what would happen if it were going to be my highest good or make me happy. And everything I'm basing my idea on is my history. I don't want my history. I want the new. I want the alive. I want the advancement from this point forward. I want the growth from here. I want to use myself more fully and more fully and more fully, which means it's based on my history, but it must, by definition, come from a place other than my history. I want to take a moment to thank our sponsor for today's episode, AG1, the science-driven formula of vitamins, minerals, probiotics, and whole food-sourced nutrients. I initially heard about AG1 from the Huberman Lab podcast, and since I trust every word that man says, I had to give it a try. With literally just one scoop, AG1 replaces your multivitamin, probiotic, and more in such a quick and easy habit. I drink AG1 after my morning meditation practice, and it makes me feel like I'm starting my day off on the right foot. Since I've been drinking AG1, I find myself not needing that extra cup of coffee and having sustained energy throughout the entire day. I've also noticed that I feel less stressed, and I'm more focused in my workday. I absolutely love it, and I recommend it to all of my friends and family. So if you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash themorningritual. That's drinkag1.com slash themorningritual. Check it out. Now to my conversation with Jeff. There's a, a Vedic truth that what I teach is Vedic meditation, and it's based in this set of teachings from the East that are at least five to 10,000 years old. Um, and it speaks about consciousness as being primary. And uh, like the unified field, everything is an expression of this one field of consciousness. From that perspective, it means that each of us is an individual expression of this one whole complete thing. And there is a truism from that, that the desires I get are given me by consciousness itself, by this greater thing. When I say, oh, this desire means I need to do this, maybe. But what, what it means is move in that direction. 
and be open and available to finding out what why you're really moving in that direction. It might mean you fulfilling it, but probably not the way it looks from here, the way it looks from way forward. Like, have you ever just had a desire to, let's say, get a coffee and you go, I don't really want a coffee. Oh, okay, I'll go. I, I go to the coffee shop and I run into somebody who really needs to see me or who needs to talk to somebody or whom I need to talk to. And we have this amazing connection. And then we go our separate ways. And I go, what was that? Well, I was getting coffee. Oh, I don't really even want coffee. You know, it was the idea of coffee got me to the place where nature needed somebody to connect with somebody else, needed one part of itself to connect to another part of itself. And uh, so when we know that these desires are given us by something other than our individuality or our ego, then it's like, oh, I'm being sent on an adventure wow, this is so interesting. And each new thing that arises, rather than comparing it to what we think should be happening, we can say things like, boy, I didn't see that coming. Gee, I, I wonder how this will turn out. And giving ourselves permission constantly to step forward into the new, into the unknown. And knowing that we'll be caught, knowing we'll be held up by something. If we have an idea of a chaotic universe, then this is a really bad idea of letting go and stepping into the unknown. But if we're stepping into a flow of consciousness that is always engaged in uplifting itself and evolving itself, then we've got nothing to lose ever. Mm. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. One of the reasons why I love meditation is because I feel like it stretches time. So many of us, me included, wish that we had more time in the day. We can feel like we don't have enough time to do all the things we want to do. And one of the best ways to manage our time is to get super clear on what's truly important and make that a priority. I've found therapy to be a super helpful way to define my values and set boundaries. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, super convenient, and you get matched with a therapist to meet your specific wants and needs. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash morning ritual to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash morning ritual. The Morning Ritual is sponsored by Recess Mood. One healthier alternative to alcohol after a stressful day is Recess Mood. So Recess Mood is a sparkling water and it's infused with functional ingredients like magnesium and stress balancing adaptogens. So you can relax without the alcohol or the hangover. Podcast listeners get 15% off the Recess Mood sampler pack at takearecess.com slash TMR. Recess Mood is made with real fruit and it comes in four delicious flavors like strawberry rose and raspberry lemon. With only 20 calories and no added sugar, it's a guilt-free way to unwind. You deserve a healthier way to unwind. Head to takearecess.com slash TMR 
and get 15% off Recess Mood, your go-to alcohol replacement. The morning ritual is sponsored by Factor. Factor's ready-to-eat meals make eating healthier so much easier. These meals are chef-made, they're dietitian approved and delivered right to your door. With Factor, you have over 35 different options a week to choose from. There's no prep, there's no mess. Factor meals are 100% ready to feast and eat. Just head to factormeals.com TMR50 and use code TMR50 to get 50% off. That's code TMR50 at factormeals.com slash TMR50 to get 50% off. Yeah, and there I'm picturing that scenario of walking into the coffee shop and there's some level of openness, receptivity, flexibility that needs to be present in order for you to Ah, strike up that conversation with someone that really needed to talk to you, someone who might not be as open and, and go with the flow, I guess, might say, nope, I'm getting my coffee. I don't have time to speak. I have this thing to go to. And, and closing themselves off to the flow of life. But I see in so many people and in myself, that's the go-to mode is not that openness. And it's almost like you're saying right at the start of our conversation, our default mode is, is that animalistic survival mode. We're operating from, you know, maybe fear, just trying to keep ourselves safe, comfortable, and that can close us off to those moments, which that is living when you can be present and then, oh, here's this person and oh, flexibility and yeah. Well, it has to do with what you were saying about um, creating from the one or the other. When I am identified as the small self or as the ego, I need to get. We're, we're, we're food creatures. We must get something from outside the self to feed us. We must get something from outside the self to procreate. We must get something to add here to feel more comfortable. And when we are walking through the world feeling unsafe, feeling uncomfortable, feeling needy, the last thing we think about is offering something to the world. With spiritual work that allows us to be fed from something deeper, then we're not driven by those individual survival needs and we're giving ourselves the experience of being fulfilled within knowing we can't get it from out here and then we know that it's our job to offer rather than to get because if i have the fulfillment that is available in meditation this is my sales pitch i think this for anyone any kind of meditation if i can find the truth of myself in here I don't need anything from you. Nothing you can offer me will add to the fulfillment that I get within myself. Nor is there anything you can take away that will lessen the fulfillment I feel within myself. From that perspective, then I can walk into a situation 
having my idea of where I'm going, having my intention to, not goal, but intention to move in this direction, and then be open to, we're really being open to the movement of the laws of nature. And this is where it, it, it takes, it steps into the realm of miracle or, or moves in that direction, which is we want to build something that is aligned with nature so that it is about the business of nature and is supported by nature. Not something that is aligned with my thinking and supported by my thinking. That makes me miserable. But nature, if I'm doing what I'm doing for the same reason that nature would be doing what it's doing, it's it's a given that I will be supported and guided unerringly in the direction of my highest good, which is by definition the highest good of all of nature. There's a if if we look at things in terms of each of us is an individual experiment or experience of consciousness. And our whole job here is we we come in as spirit and become encased in humanness and get lost and forget that we're spirit. And then our job here is to go through the movement of a life, moving always in the direction of rediscovering that we are spirit, solving all the equations that keep me from knowing I am spirit or consciousness. And knowing that all those solutions that I have to come up with in order to find freedom for myself are exactly the tools that I and nature have given myself to allow me to be ever more of service to the world. Everything here is a purpose-built machine for something, and then I get to discover what that is. And I will never discover it by thinking about it. I'll discover it by moving into my life more and more and more yeah we can get caught in thinking and overthinking and trying to figure out and sometimes it's just yeah. just be move in the direction let it unfold that involves so much trust there was a 10th or 11th century teacher of uh, non-dual cashmere shaivism is, is the name of the of the uh philosophy or worldview it's it's tantra and and uh, he wrote even if we stumble even if we fall down it's not possible to fall into anything other than the divine finding a worldview that is expressive of that allows us to move beyond trust and into a place of knowing there's so many other things to say, but I want to have a conversation. I don't want to go on. No, I love it. I love it. And my brain is going to money. And I have some clients who have some real fear around money mm -hmm. and feel that they're operating from a place of scarcity and wish they could have a more abundant mindset. I'm doing an acting job right now. And, uh, my character is uh, a bad person who maybe has found uh, the Lord and maybe hasn't. Um, 
And one of the things I have to say tomorrow is uh, love of money is the root of all evil. And now that's in very Christian terms. And uh, I would say it's more like believing that money is the thing that will make me feel safe is the cause of me becoming unaligned with truth. It's this fascinating thing. When I'm identified as ego, fear is the nature of my experience. It's I am in survival mode, especially if I have had anything other than the most perfect childhood. And, you know, newsflash, no one has had that. So I have built in neuroses that tell me who I am and what needs to happen. And I will never solve those equations in the realm that they're created in. I will never get enough money to assuage the fear in me that I won't have enough money. Bernie Madoff stole $58 billion. Billion. $58 billion. If you go and look at the, what got sold in his the auctions of his ill-gotten gains it was some of the worst art you've ever seen several yachts that no one could ever use in a lifetime all these things as if i got the right amount of them and the right i don't even know what it is we're looking for but it's it's not available so what needs to change is my consciousness to suggest surrender does not mean to stop engaging in my work and my willingness and ability to support myself and my family and, and my lifestyle. It does mean, however, to move my attention from this narrow window and allow myself to be present to the flow of life around me and through me because it's going to show me what direction my highest good is in. And I might have an idea of how much money I need, but it's based on hearsay and speculation. It's I'm making that up. And as soon as I get whatever number it is I have in my head, I'll need another zero on there within the shortest amount of time. All of it in service of, if I get enough, I'll feel safe and I'll be able to begin to enjoy myself. Well, yes, you don't need money for that. You get present here. There's so much information that is flowing through us in life all the time. It's from life itself, and life itself is always engaged in evolution. When I'm in my thinking or in my drive to succeed, I'm saying, I don't care what life wants. I want what I want. Okay. And it's it's much more challenging for someone your age than it is for someone my age. I tried all the things that are worth to get what I needed, and none of them worked. So it was much easier to just surrender and get present to what's going on here, which is 
this world is designed specifically so that I can move in the direction that we're talking about here from feeling small and separate and alone and at the mercy of to feeling present to at one with and a part of this flow of evolution that's always moving in the direction of the highest good for all yeah yeah and there's um i've mentioned this recently on the podcast but returning to this quote by the chinese philosopher lao chu he says nature does not hurry yet everything is accomplished and i yeah i don't know i find a lot of peace in that um yeah being in the the flow of nature everything will be accomplished yeah now i'm curious um in your life right now if there's something that's really particularly exciting you or challenging you something that you're learning through your meditation practice i'm teaching myself how to act again. And I've been making a living at it for about 38 years, learning things that I learned before, but from a different place in my development. So they make sense in a different way. They offer different options for me to take in doing my work. I'm just about to do a role that is unlike any I've done before. And I my work these days is to find my way to surprise myself, to express something bigger than my best thinking about how this is supposed to go or what it's supposed to look like. So that's very exciting. I have a book here with a quote in it. Um, it's a, 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 a biography of uh, Pierre-Auguste Renoir by his son, Jean Renoir, who was a filmmaker. And it's, it's called Renoir, My Father. And at the end of his life, Renoir uh, had arthritis. He couldn't even hold a brush. But he would paint in bed and he would have uh, an assistant strap a brush to his wrist. And that's how he would paint. And on the last day of his life, I believe is about 87, he had painted a, a, a vase of anemones that, <clears throat> that the maid had brought in. And after painting all day, they were removing his uh, brushes from his wrists and putting away the, the, the pigments. And uh, he said, I'm starting to understand something about it. He was talking about painting. He would never paint another stroke. Everything he'd already created was here for us. And I, I'm I'm starting to understand something about it. Was his there were two women. Uh one reported that, the other one reported, uh I I believe I learned something today. And that's you know, that's what we want to hope for ourselves. It's an infinite universe. If consciousness is the basis of everything, then my expansion and growth always has to do with an expansion and growth in consciousness. It's 
an open system, it can never be fulfilled. So for me to ever think, oh, I got this, is absurd. It's infinite, yeah. Yeah. Well, Jeff, I really, really appreciate you coming on and and sharing your wisdom. And I like to end these conversations with a kind of fun, rapid-fire five questions. Okay. <laughs> so my first question, what do you do for fun? I do tintype photography. Okay. What, what type of photography is that? Wet plate collodion. It's uh, uh, everything from Civil War era. It was invented in 1842. You basically make a plate each each image you shoot, and you end up with a an image that's uh, this big. And you use ancient cameras and old lenses, and and uh, it's really challenging, and you can't ever perfect it. Cool. Okay. Second question. Your favorite way to start the day. Uh, meditation, always, without fail. Okay. Are you a coffee, tea, or matcha man? This is tea. Later in the day, I may have a coffee or a matcha. Cool. Okay, so if you could have your tea with anyone, alive or dead, who would that be? Oh, my God. Sri Aurobindo. For our listeners, he was... Uh, the probably the greatest Vedic sage of the 20th century and undoubtedly enlightened and ended up in Pondicherry, India, uh, because that's where all the pirates hung out and the British couldn't find him and jail him again. And uh, he built a community there based on spiritual principles and evolution of spirit. Cool. And final question, what energizes you? Uh, being challenged to step into the unknown uh, again. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Jeff. Oh, thank you. What a what a delight. And I, I, I feel like now we need the half of the conversation where I interview you. <laughs> okay, next time. Look next out for time. that. <laughs> well, I like to close every episode the same with a nice nourishing breath in. And to complete breath out and have a lovely day.